Hey guys, welcome back to the Brothers of the World podcast for the second part of our December break holiday special sort of thing going on. Um, it's the same three guys as the last episode. It's You got me and Mikey, you have Uncle Sharma back with us again, I guess technically for our third episode, stop having yeah. here, um, and, and Risto, of course. Um, this episode, we're just going to be talking about some general Serie A stuff just because, you know, we all pretty much we have our declared love for one club, but I'm sure that we all pretty much watch this league and it's fun to talk about other teams sometimes. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, so by the time the episode is um, up and uploaded, we going to have a final decision on the Brexit deal that we spoke about <laughs> yesterday in yesterday's episode. But most importantly, uh, Merry Christmas to everyone that celebrates the holiday. And hopefully, we can be even better in the next season. I mean, next year, because it's, it's the new year next year. And hopefully, in the next match that Inter plays in, we're going to, of course, win. You know, I want to start out with Inter since, we, you know, that's an easy starting point on an Inter podcast. Um, a stat that I saw today about the calendar year that we're closing out is that Inter tied a record for goal scored in a calendar year with, I think it was 108. Um, and, you know, we've complained a lot about Antonio Conte's football, um, how wasteful we've been at times. But to equal a club record in a calendar year is still a pretty big deal. Um, I'll start with Sharma. Um, is there anything you take out of that? Is that uh, something that should be attributed positively to Conte? Or is that something that resembles more the squad than the manager? I think it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, I think the th- a lot of people, as you said, complain about the football that we play on the Conte and myself as well. When you watch this Inter team, it's not... Even when Conte was trying to play this, uh, you know, Guardiola, Bielsa football at the start of the season, it was never, you know, easy on the eye, even though we were creating 10, 15 chances a match. But obviously, since the Spalletti days, the squad has been slowly improving. But in the Spalletti days, I remember in some matches, I would think, like, are we even going to create a chance? Like, is you know, Cardi might score off like some sort of scrappy goal or something like that. But with this Inter team, I know that we're going to create at least two or three clear cut opportunities per match, and it always happens. Like this team, even when you see them not playing well, somehow, in some way or another, whether it's through the wings with the cross and inshallah, with some sort of through, uh, you know, a set piece, you know, we do manage to create something. So. Credit where it's due to Conte, definitely. Um, you know his his style of play you, you, is you know is very based on those patterns that we see a lot of times. You know, getting the ball straight to Lukaku and Lautaro, and then try to create something from there. But it, it works. You know, whatever you want to call it, terrible Conte ball, it works. So Conte definitely deserves credit for that. And we were the second after Atalanta last year. We were the second highest scoring team in the in the Serie A last season and this year with the highest scoring team with 34 ahead of AC Milan with 32. So it's definitely not by chance. We're scoring a lot of goals. And for some reason, that's very surprising to me because in the past, I don't know, decade, we've been dog shit and we haven't even performed good, let alone score goals. And 
especially the bundles of goals that we're scoring now, especially as Mike said, this year, calendar year. But as you said, like we had the best, the second best attack last season, the best defense, the best defense. We have the best attack this season with 34 goals uh, scored. Um, the best attack, yeah. And I mean, we have the players. The the quality of the players was never a doubt. What was a doubt was whether those players can fit into a very rigid system that the manager wants to use and um, that practices a lot of patterns, as you said. And we mm. needed good wingbacks last season. And especially before... Uh, before the I mean, before January, we didn't have any. When we signed Young, although he was not very welcomed by many, he performed very well in his first six months as a player. And I would say last year, last season, he was one of the most impressive players on on the pitch, without a shadow of a doubt. When someone arrives with such um, notoriety, let's say, uh, someone that has never played. Uh, a wing back, or he did play a, a full back with Mourinho, I think. But still, playing in Italy, an Englishman that has never like it's a very weird thing to see. Let alone uh, to see that at Inter. Um, but also a very nice story for someone, a veteran that can come into the league and adjust well. But at the end of the day, we are constantly improving, and. If we want to improve even further, we need someone like, as we said, Gossens, someone like Teo Hernandez, who's been um, pretty good this season. And with signing of Hakimi, we, I think, we all knew how good he was. And there was never uh, a doubt whether he was good or not. But he was the signing that I think we needed the most. Not a creative midfielder, not a striker, but Hakimi was the sole player that we needed in the summer to improve the squad because he's a huge improvement to both Moses and Kandreva. And Conte has, can, can finally practice his, his tactics, his antics and everything that follows with it through Hakimi because Hakimi has proven his quality in many leagues and especially against us last year in the Champions League. So, I'm pretty content so far, but at the end of the day, uh, we still need to improve the, on the defense. I know that we haven't been considering in the past month or so, or so as much, but just their positioning and the, the quality of the chances that we concede are not a great quality of chances. There, there are not even many chances that we concede or sustain throughout the match. But when they do come and when they do arrive, they're pretty lethal, and um, more often than not, they've been uh, converted into goals. So I think that's, that's the only segment or one of few that needs to be worked on. Um, and hopefully we can, we can work on that and further improve uh, next season or next calendar year. Yeah, all right. Since, you know, this is the Serie A covering episode, and I don't want to be... False advertising. Um, I've got. I don't know. I'll kick it off with a question. Um, I'll start with Sharma. Um, what's your favorite non-Inter Serie A team to watch this season? Like, because for me, I know it changes from year to year. Like, 
whoever's got some interesting players or a coach is doing some good work, like that's usually the one that like once I see when Inter plays, I'll make a note of when X club also plays. Um, do you have any clubs that like stand out for you like that, especially this? Yeah, season? I think um, they've been the team I watched for a few seasons, but Sassuolo this year have taken it to the next level under the Derby. Um, they they play some some really nice football, and obviously they got in, interesting, exciting players to watch. You know, Berardi Hive, where you at? Domenico Berardi stepping up. Um, you know, not just this season; he has been stepping up since last season, but. He seems like he's taking it to the next level. Chicho Caputo, Jeremy Boga, um, you know, and that midfield, obviously, Locatelli as well is really a really good player to watch. Um, and I'm just looking at the stats right now. They've they've scored the exact amount of goals they scored at this point last season, which is 26, but they've conceded 10 less goals and they've got 11 more points, which, um, yeah, yeah that's, they've sort, basically they sorted their defending out, <laughs> which was always their Achilles heel and they find themselves in a very surprising fourth place in the in the league at the moment, which is, you know, oh sorry, fifth because of uh, Roma won uh, as well. So, yeah, I'm um, I'm very very um always whenever Sassuolo play, I always try to watch them. Atalanta were that team last year, but they've had a bit of a, a dip this year, so not as much. But Roma have also been a very interesting team. I've always been a fan of. Uh, um, Fonseca has always been quite an interesting when he was at Shakhtar and his Roma team has always been up and down but this year they've been a bit more consistent um, yeah so those two for me Roma and Sassuolo what about you guys? I mean um, before Mike says his answer I think um, that I mean my answer differs from who I've been watching the most besides Inter and the, the the team that I enjoy watching because I genuinely despise Juventus so much that I watch most of their games just because I want them to lose. And when they lose, it's like it's, it's the cliche. It's like Inter won, but not as not as satisfying, in a, in a sense. As far as the team that I enjoy the most, I would say I've, I've watched a lot of Bologna this season and Fiorentina because I've, I've played some bets on them and you know. Was the f- <laughs> <laughs> you, I I needed Fiorentina to win the match against Genoa a couple of weeks ago for to win a substantial amount of money. I would have fucking bought myself myself a phone if there there were better I don't know strikers at the team. But oh well, um, Fiorentina and Bologna for sure. I I really like Vlahovic, who reminds me of Belotti. A lot, just a shittier conversion rate, in my opinion, so far. Um, if Fiorentina had a better striker, a more experienced striker, like I don't know, Mandzukic, they can convert chances and score goals. They they would have been so much better with someone like that, someone experienced, someone that can score goals. And Bologna with Palacio and Musa Baro or Solini, Soriano, it's an attack from dreams for. Uh, I don't know a mid-table Serie A team. I know that Mike Mike likes some some of their players. No, Fiorentina, Fiorentina but, were good on paper, but I don't know. whenever Mike, I watched them this year, you? they've been absolutely awful to watch. Absolute dog shit. The, that midfield on paper was supposed to be so good with the Amrabat, Castrovilli, Pulga, 
Um, Duncan, you know, they had such a deep midfield and we're just not Bonaventura, it's just not turned out or, or can forget Bojo Valero. I mean, look, sorry, Mike. Um, I've watched the game against uh, Genoa like a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, I think. And throughout the match, they had the midfield considered of, um, who was it? Let me just check before I say something dumb. Um, I think it was Amrabat, Pulgar, and Buraventura after Castrovilli got injured. <laughs> and those three are basically the same fucking players. Why would you put three central midfielders that cannot attack? Like, Bonaventura is not the same guy he was like three, four years ago. He isn't. And all of them, not even Pulgar, Amrabat, or Bonaventura can score goals. You have Ribery and Callejon, who, who seemed fucking worst in that match, and Vlahovic, who missed so many chances. So basically, it's a, it's, a, it's a shit combination. And instead, throughout the second half, they've played a fucking awful bo- uh, football. And they subbed on Kutrone, Borja, and Eiseric for Vlahovic, Riverin, Callejon. It's like taking out your three absolute best players for three dog shit players. You're taking out Ribery, basically a striker, or a free roaming player like Papu is. And you're putting mm. someone like Borja. And you play with four central midfield, central midfield um, like players, partnership, whatever. So it, it seems idiotic. And I know many people have pointed out towards, towards Pandele being, uh, being uh, old-fashioned and, I don't know, dusted or anything, or something like that. But it genuinely seemed like that. And I don't know how they... They wasted so much time with Yakini at the start of the season. It's like, they seem to have money in this project, but why didn't this, like, Spalletti's right there. Spalletti's, like, handmade. He's, like, a, I think he was a Fiorentina exactly. fan growing up as well. Like, he's from that region. He's making wine right down the road from you. Just go. Call him. Give him what he wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for me, I've watched... Uh, I've watched a lot of Sassuola. Uh, um, really like watching Locatelli. He's Italian Brozovic, but he doesn't <laughs> swing his arms around. So that's a bit refreshing to watch for me. Um, also, I have watched Fiorentina a good bit because I really like Castrovilli. I think mm. he's going to be a really good player. I also like Malinkovic. I've been like watching Fiorentina to watch mm. him for a few years now. But I think uh, I just that owner they've got there, the Italian American guy, Camiso. I just don't think he has got <sighs> a feel for yeah. owning a football team yet because he's brought in bad manager after bad manager, even though he's bringing in good players. Um, if he can just find, yeah, like Spalletti, if he would just go pay, I don't know how much it is to get him out of the inter contract, but you go pay that, like you're probably top 10 pretty yeah, comfortable. Challenging for Europe, I would say that squad um, is good enough to challenge for like, you know, 8th, 7th position. Yeah, they could definitely be in like Europa League, like play-in contention. Like, I, just, I don't know what they're doing there. Um, outside of that, I still like, I know the hipster's choice the past few years for, especially for people who don't watch mm-hmm. Serie A, has been Atalanta and I've watched them a few times this season just because, like, I know they've been kind of bad, but on their day, they're still a great team. And also, I guess, in the same vein, I do watch Verona a good bit. Um, They can turn up 
against some like great teams and put in great performances, but then they play like they'll play some bottom teams and play down to that competition. But I think they're really missing like Rachmani and Amrabat and Kamula. Yeah. Like they're missing those guys, but they have recovered pretty well. And one more that I'll give a shout to. I'll give a shout to Benevento this year. I think they've been really fun to watch going forward, even though, you know, they give up They give up a lot of goals. They're one of those teams that wants to score two or three, but also going to give up two or three. But I think they've been really interesting, and they've got, like, Caprari. Yeah. They've, got some, they've got some decent names. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, Udinese as well for DePaul. I'll, I'll tune in to a few matches just for Rodrigo DePaul. Oof. Their team is quite good this year compared to last year because they've improved on, on the, in the in the midfield area with Pereira, who's still a decent player. Uh, yeah, because they're no they, they were they were all invested into Watford, and then they got relegated. And now they're bringing them all back to Udinese. It's like, okay, we can't get Udinese to get relegated as well. So they brought in all the big boys. <laughs> But the Lofil was quite decent at, at Milan a few years ago. And I don't know how he was or how he performed in the Premier League. But he he's not starting at all. And I'm baffled as to why. Uh, also, Ignacio Puseto, last year he started in the, in the first three, four months. And then after that, he was on the bench throughout the, throughout the year, throughout 2020. And just in the past two months, he started playing again and again, and he's been performing pretty well. Yeah, within is a good shot because, as I said in yesterday, the yesterday's episode, like they are the team that has twelve clean sheets, and that's impressive. Still <laughs> the closet for a team like Udinese. <clears throat> I mean, they do have Nestorovsky on the bench, rapping which is, you know, quite dog shit, but we don't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> I would never. They also have a Serbian and Bosnian <laughs> player, so you know, Genoa 2.0. Uh, um, Genoa. So we've talked, we brushed on Sassuolo a little bit, who are in the top four. But looking at the top four right now, you've got, of course, it's Milan, Inter, Roma, Sassuolo. Um, Napoli have a game in hand, Juventus have a game in hand, Atalanta have a game in hand. Um, I don't think Atalanta have enough points to jump into the top four, but Napoli and Juventus, uh, either team that wins that, you know, rematch is going to be in the top four. Um, are you guys, su- of, of course you're pretty, su- everyone's surprised at what the top four looks like right now, but do you think how many teams that are in it right now are going to be there again at the end um, of the season? I think, I think Roma eventually will drop off, um, I just don't think they have the squad. Like if uh, Mkhitaryan or Pedro or Jack or one of those guys gets injured, I think they don't really have any replacements for them at the moment. I don't think Boja Mayorao's showed much uh, since he's come in, but he could. But yeah, you know, if like Smalling gets injured or Mancini gets injured at the back, I, just, I see them struggling. Um, and they're still in the Europa League as well. So I think at some point they will have a little drop off, which is... Which isn't too bad. I think if they finish fifth or sixth, I think that's uh, that's pretty much lo- Roma's level this year. Um, I think Atalanta will make a, a late resurgence. I think they, they've got a game in hand as well because I think one of the games was uh, cancelled, wasn't it, for the rain or something? So they've got... 
Yeah, so they can yeah, well, they can um, they can move up there, and with Ilicic, Ilicic is, seems to be coming back to his level slowly. We, you know, that guy after lockdown, we basically we lost a, a world class footballer for for a few months there. To whatever happened to him, those rumors or it was depression related to a variety of reasons that I'm not going to get into. But I watched his match. I watched the highlights of Atalanta Bologna uh, yesterday, and he looks like he's back to his old level and. Against Roma, he came on and changed the match. So, if uh, Papu Gomez leaves, but if Ilicic is back to his old levels, I think Atalanta could go back into the into the top four definitely. And Roma and Sassuolo, I think, will be the ones to drop out, in my opinion. I think so too. I think both of those teams are uh, very. Pro- it's very probable that both of those teams will drop out of the top four. And, but it's it's interesting because mm. both of those don't deserve to be on paper, don't deserve to be in the top four, but on the field they've been performing pretty pretty well, and especially Roma, I would say, because their team it's not it's not good. I would I don't know it's not good. Yeah, I mean you have fucking Mirante at thirty eight thirty nine. That's <laughs> your first choice keeper One now that pa, uh, Paul Lopez is injured. Oof. That guy. It hurts. How. Oof. It's a. You know, we'll never forget the the failed transfers, whether that is Spinazzola or Malcolm. Everything had happened in, in Serie A. But Napoli underperformed last year, and Juventus is underperforming this season, as well as Atalanta, based on previous years. My top four would be. I don't know, someone like Juventus in first, let's say, because I want to jinx them. Uh, Inter second, Napoli third, and Milan fourth. I know you, Mike, you like Sassuolo a lot, but do you think that they can, if not in the top four, do you think that they can get into a Europa League spot? They can definitely stay in one of those European spots. Um, It's just, I, I think the top, you know, top eight, could perceivably stay the same, just in a different order. Like, I think you basically see from... I know it's pretty tight. I guess we'll go down to ninth. We'll go from Verona up. I think Verona, Lazio, Atalanta, Juventus, Napoli, Sassuolo, Roma, and the two Milan clubs. I think that's pretty much the cutoff for that upper echelon of the table. I think it's just, you know, going to shuffle the way that the season ebbs and flows. Um, Sassuolo, I'm they're probably, to be honest, a sixth-place six caliber team. Um, I think maybe if, you know, they get lucky with injuries, maybe if they go out of the Coppa Italia kind of early, they've got Spal in the next round, so I don't know. They'll probably end up in, like, the quarterfinals and maybe further, you know, the luck of the draw or whatever. But if they were to go out of that and focus solely on the league, they could, you know, squeak – fifth maybe maybe like fourth if big if if the teams mm, below it's them it's a very competitive season this year dude you, do, you but, think, do you think this is the most competitive Serie A you've seen I think it is for me yeah um I can't say that it's not you know I mean I'm a pretty pretty I guess recent inter follower like I started following the club really and like deep in the banter years like 2014 2013 so this is definitely like 
and with Inter in the mix, this is the most competitive I've seen. Yeah, we were forgetting about Lazio as well. Lazio last year were at first for a long while, and then after the lockdown, they dropped off. But this year, they've um, obviously they've done well in the Champions League, but in the league, they're they're way behind. Do you reckon that those guys will recover, or do you think they will stay around that position? Yeah, I was going to mention Lazio that they didn't get any love from anybody going around for like top four predictions. Like, I think everyone else basically got a shout, but Lazio, like, I don't know. I just don't see it in them this year. Like, I've watched a decent amount just because, like, I was wondering if they continue on from last year. And I really like their midfield, but I just, I, I don't see it from them this year. And, you know, um, Inzaghi is really a confidence manager like when things are going great he's like yes my team's the best in the world but when you know he's losing late to Milan like losing just oh how many matches have they they've lost five matches already this season like when they're losing to Milan when they're losing to Verona like you know it's he's in the press saying that it's unfair or this one thing happened or this other thing happened and I'd I can't see without them going on a decent run, him rallying that dressing room to turn it around, really. I think they will end up in, like, a Europa League playoff spot, but it'll probably be an okay season because of their Champions League performances. I think so, too. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. But to me, um, the the most deeming factor – for their demise this season has been uh, the, whatever mm. you want to call it, season that Luis Alberto has been or has had so far because he scored three and assisted zero goals. And last year, if I'm not mistaken, he had like 19 assists throughout the season. That's like nine in the first 18, 19 matches. And he has zero yeah. assists so far. Uh, a player like that, if he wants to be considered world class and uh, wants to wants to improve constantly year in yeah, year no, out, reliance on Immobile is all too much reliance like on one player. We saw that in different seasons. Mm-hmm. And the last year he was scoring a lot of <laughs> goals, but most of them, I mean, I would say half of them were penalties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they're not having the same quote unquote luck this season with penalties although they've had some. But all that combined with them dropping points late, uh, their key players not performing, uh, Strakos are not playing, and Reina not being a, being a subpar keeper, all that playing uh, are, is playing a certain factor in them being eighth place now and having five uh, matches, um, losing whatever you want. Yeah, five, they've lost five matches and won six. And that's really, really embarrassing for a team that not only went through the Champions League um, group stages, but it also want to, I guess, reestablish themselves um, as a top four contender. And most importantly, a team that can uh, attract players so they can sell for profit because they have been doing that for years and years um, and, uh, and all that. But Mike, you said Sassolo is... Uh, or there's a chance for them to finish in the Europa League spots. That leaves, if if we presume that Napoli, Juventus, Inter, and uh, Milan are finishing top four, that leaves Roma, Atalanta, and Lazio 
two out of uh, those three will drop out of the contention for uh, Europe next season. Do you think that both uh, Rome clubs can drop out of the Europa League or Europa uh, competitions uh... for next season? And if so, that might have a you know long-lasting impact on um, the capital. Of the yeah, you know, oh, it's a it's a very very interesting situation in the city of Rome with those two clubs because, you know, you had Roma really performing for really most of the 2010s, and then you had Lazio last year coming on strong. But, you know, neither of them have really standout squads to me at this rate. But Roma, of course, with Fonseca, have really, really been able to punch a little bit above their weight this season. Um I think they're the more likely of the two to stay in contention for a European spot just on the fact that they're just in Europa League. And I don't know. They already have the points. They've only lost three matches this season. And I guess one of those oh, – what did they, What was that penalty they got for the registration of DOR? Was that a loss? So one of those losses was only on paper, or yeah, one of those losses. They've only lost two on the pitch. It was, it was a draw, I think, one one, and they lost three nil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a You're two right. point. It was basically a two point deduction, or something like that. I don't know math, but they've only lost two matches on the field. So I think they are the better setup of the two clubs in Rome to stay, you know, in a competitive spot. Um. We'll cover one of the two elephants in the room. Um, Juventus just losing to Fiorentina. Now lost essentially six points in a day. Now sixth six place going into Christmas. What do you guys think they're going to do in the second half of the season? Do you think they're going to turn it around? Yeah, I think at some point they will... They they went through a patch where they looked like they were turning things like things were starting to click on the Pirlo, the new formation. You know, it seemed like the players are happier than they were under Sarri, even though the results are not the same thing. They're like a few points behind from where they were under Sarri. But I think the at some point, you know, things will start clicking, and then obviously this last match against Fiorentina was just like, as Hristo said, like I don't know how Fiorentina managed to pull that one off. I guess that early goal just kind of gave them that confidence but they'll they'll be up there by the end of the season they'll be they'll be challenging for the for the top spot as usual but as i said i don't think they have enough this year on the bench and on the pitch to 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 pull it through i think the main thing with the the dibala thing like they haven't got dibala has been like non-existent for them this season where yeah, last year he won mvp which i don't know if you believe he should have won or not but he was still you know he was definitely a contender for that for that title last year so losing or not being able to integrate a player like Dybala in the team and being sacrificed for a player like Morata I think long term is not really beneficial to their team but I think they'll be back up there soon after the break and uh, I think those those three matches against Napoli I think they'll win uh, they'll win most of them I think I think Napoli might snatch the Supercoppa but I think the matches in the league, I think Napoli will end up um, will end up um, miss, yeah, losing those or Gattuso shitting his pants as he usually does in big matches. 
<laughs> I think so too. I I think they'll come back and eventually turn their season around, just because of the sheer quality that they have. Although I would say that the quality they had some three four years ago is substantially better than it is right mm. now because they're overpaying for free transfers. They compensate on salaries. They compensate on uh, enormous agencies so they can claim some sort of free transfer when in reality that's not the case. Um, I think they are stuck in some, I don't know, imaginative world that, oh, it's a free signing here, so it's Juventus, so he must be good. No, they did some stupid things and they refused or they didn't managed to sell Dybala, who at the time wanted to stay, but Sari didn't want him. Then this season he's not playing and someone like Morata is. So when you have two coaches preferring other players to you, and in a sense last season Sari was forced to play you, that tells you a lot about the quality of some players. I know what we said with Handanovic, he must be a good person or a good leader behind the scenes. That that must be the complete opposite for Dybala because on the field last season, as you said, he was really, really good. He might not have been their best player or the MVP, that's for sure, uh, but he was still a very good player. And this season, with the arrival of Morata, who, again, is pretty wasteful, he's not starting. So it's either him not being compatible with Ronaldo but yet again, Ronaldo scored 30-plus goals last season with Dybala besides him. So, you know, when you take, when you start eliminating things or reasons as to why he's not starting, you'll come to a certain conclusion and that being, uh, you know, it's, it's the player's fault. It cannot be a coach because, as we've seen with other players uh, at our club, in other clubs as well, like you have... Uh, a good player in every team that is not liked in a sense by uh, every coach or most coaches because in Italy I think they focus more on uh, on I would say how do I um, it's, it's not even like talent but it's more like following instructions from the the managers so you can have them you can be the, the flariest player in the world if you don't follow orders and if you don't track back uh, have a certain uh, positioning or positional sense uh, throughout the pitch and throughout the 90 minutes, you'll not be a successful player in Italy. And I think uh, that's why even Allegri before Sari didn't want Dybala to start or or in some matches he was forced to start him. Um, but yeah, I think he, he'll he be much, much better in other leagues and especially in, in a dog shit league like the Premier League where defending is non-existing. Uh, where he'll be adored in a in a in a team like Tottenham, and especially if he went there, imagine how good their team would have been with Kane and Son and Dybala. That would have been fucking amazing with with someone like Mourinho, a proven winner on the bench. So I do think that they'll come back, but as of now, I have like I have so many doubts about their team because their team is equality but not as someone like 
Inter has been so far on the pitch, where Inter is winning matches that that they Inter didn't deserve to win. And if Inter does the right things in January, I think we have genuinely, uh, we should be considered genuinely as the favorites for a trophy. Yeah, for me, Juventus has been like they've kind of been on a downward trajectory, like quality-wise, since the Ronaldo signing because so much money went into that, and now you're in like the Corona times. You get they kept some players too long to the point where they couldn't sell them, like guys like um, Emre Chan, like guys like that that just they made no money off of, and they really need to make some sales in order to, you know, refill those cap those Agnelli cash reserves and, you know, buy some ridiculous player like they used to be able to do. But I, I, just, I think they're, like, top three quality, but I, I, I agree. I do have doubts about them, but it's always Juventus. So there could always, they could always do something, you know, legal or not. You know, they could hand over some answers or whatever and get someone in. You know, you mentioned their inability to sell players. Someone like Kedira, who's making six, six and a half million euros per season, which is almost the same amount of as Lukaku is making at Inter. That's like crazy to someone that doesn't follow the league. Just to mention that, like Kedira, who hasn't played for the team in two years, making this almost the same amount of money as probably the second best player in the league don't right now. Don't they give Kadira? Like I mean, not Kadira. You just said that. Don't they give like Ramsey and Rabio like the same amount of money? And like they're okay <laughs> players, but like they shouldn't be earning as much as they do. They, I, I agree with you, but as I said, they're compensating because they quote unquote. I don't know, sign them without any fee to the club, but they're paying a lot of money to the players and to the agents. So, mm-hmm. but nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about the their inability to sell players, but everyone is talking about Inter, how Inter is not able to sell their Deadwood and this and that. Like, we, we hear again and again how Inter is doing this with Ericsson, Inter is ruining Ericsson, blah, blah, blah. But no one, I've never read until uh, Sharma, you just mentioned, Dybala going from, you know, MVP to Juventus' bench within three months. Like, no one said that. No one is reporting on that. And even I didn't uh, think of that until you mentioned it. So that's pretty bizarre. I mean, it's that media insulation that Conte was so used to when he was at Juventus and then, you know, went to Chelsea and, I mean, English press is English press, but then he comes to enter and he's like, wow, I have no protection in the media. And everyone's just like, wow, first time. But uh, it's it's just, you know, it's the it's the Italian media's way of going around things. If enter, if enter bleeds, it sells. So, I mean, that's something we're all pretty used to at this point. Um, another elephant in the room uh, at the top of the table, I'll say. Um, We've got Milan, and, like, I don't know what to make of AC Milan. I genuinely do not. Um, They look good on the field a lot of times, but, like, on paper, like, they're not that great of a team. And we've seen 
when you know losses start coming his way, they start piling up. But it's fourteen matches in and ten wins, four draws. Um, are they going to come out? Or I guess you can't stay that great forever. They're not the Invincibles, so of course they're going to lose a few games. But uh, how much are they going to regress to the mean? In the second half well, of the season, think, uh, we were discussing before. I I predicted him to be fourth, but I didn't expect him to be this good. But then we looked to, to the last season. I think they're unbeaten in the Serie A since like I don't know how many matches have been like twenty three or twenty four matches or something like crazy like that. So the mean for them, like since the lockdown, this is their this is their mean. So I guess we were told. I guess unless you mean like you know what we, what they were before the lockdown, but. This is this like yesterday against Lazio. I was com- I'm finally convinced now about this Milan team because they they won that match without Benacer, without Kessi, which I I think they're the most important players, without Ibra obviously, without Simon Kier as well. Like this, they're they're putting in any random youth player and, and he's performing as well. So this Kalulu guy who's coming now who's like he, he looked really good against Lazio. Romagnoli is like back to decent levels now. It's just um, the more I keep doubting them, the more they keep proving me wrong. Um, so I'm, I'm stop. I've stopped doubting them now. I think this is they're the serious Scudetto contenders. I don't think they're gonna have a massive drop off. I, I think they're gonna stay in the top three, even if they have a drop off. Because um, yeah, these guys are hard to beat. They're still unbeaten this season. Uh, they don't concede many goals. They don't. They're not particularly high scorers, but I think they're still the second highest scoring team in the in the league behind Inter. So. Yeah, I've stopped doubting them. As you said, on paper, they don't look good. Yesterday, they won the match against Lazio with Krunic and Tonali in midfield, which, you know, that midfield, if you put it, if you put it at Empoli or Brescia right now, it would, be, it would look fine. Oh, my gosh. But somehow, you know, that salad maker guy on the right, like, he, I don't know how he's, like, looking like such a quality player, but props to Pioli, man. <laughs> Pioli is doing an amazing, an amazing job there. And it was funny yesterday, uh, we were seeing those hashtag purely out tweets from Milanisti when purely was appointed. I haven't I haven't seen such a like a a turnaround of oh. a opinion on a on a manager from a fan base ever in my life. Yeah, signing as a replacement for Gianpaolo. I think they, they were even less. Yeah, they, I think with Gianpaolo, at least there was a mixture of uh, of you know some people were like, oh, okay, maybe we can play some nice football. But with purely, I think most of them were just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, has anything aged worsely than Gianpaolo's cool down and play playing? Football. Effective and beautiful football. Is there some? Yeah. I mean, that's what he, he was sacked first by Milan. Like, they've really done it. It just, I don't know. Jim Paolo's not. I, don't, I, I was telling her still off mic. I don't think Jim is going to have another job after Torino. There's been the case with, uh, people said the same thing with um, Di Francesco at, at Cagliari. He, he, Basically, some some Roma fans say, "Oh, he ruined their team uh, with alongside Monchi and this and that." But who, Giampaolo? Genuinely, he's a f- awful manager, and <laughs> I mean both, but different. No. <laughs> to Giampaolo in particular, because like Torino's team is not bad. 
it's not it's not one no. win in 14 matches bad. It's not 32 considered goals bad. Like it's embarrassing how they're playing. And you know we we spoke about you know we joked about Brexit and this and that. But if if they appointed someone like Matsadi who's no who you know uh, comes back to to teams when he's called upon. And I think they need someone that will steady the ship and win them matches that they must win. Someone uh, on a position like Crotone, Spezia, who although are playing, in my opinion, not as bad as Torino, there's still matches that you must beat because you have, at the end of the day, you have the fourth best goal scorer in the league in Belotti. You have a genuinely a really, really good player in him. So wasting him and him playing at a team that has eight points after 14 matches is embarrassingly bad. But as Mike pointed out, like look at Milan. Like their team is is it's awful. It's fucking Radek Krunic in the midfield. And they won against Lazio. Lazio that we couldn't beat. So they are playing amazing football. Like for the team they have, their football is prime time Barcelona with Ronaldinho, with Thierry Henry, with fucking Eto, with Arnold Messi and Suarez. Is there a case for everyone all together yeah. in one team? Salamakers and is there a th- case for Theo Hernandez being the best player in the league this uh, this <laughs> season? Because for me, I think he's he might be my player of the season till now. He's up there. I mean, sure. yeah. I think someone like Mkhitaryan is quite overlooked because he genuinely is amazing so far. Like, not even good. He's amazing. He's scoring goals, assisting. He's providing uh, crucial chances, uh, clear-cut chances for the, for the for their team. And he's playing with a lot of other, mm-hmm. I would say, decent players at Roma, especially in the midfield. Someone like Veretout, uh, Insigne, you have Diavara who hasn't played in, in a long time. He, for me, yeah, it, it's either Teo or Mkhitaryan, but either one of them is, is pretty, not only reasonable, but justified. But yeah, Mike, to, to go back to your point, I think, uh, I wouldn't say Miller are, are Scudetto contenders just because I cannot get over the fact that their team is awful no matter how good they they play, it, there's still 25 matches to go, and that's a lot. So, you know, uh, the more I talk about the league and, their, and the teams around us, the more I'm convinced that we're going to win the league. But I'll never mm-hmm. never actually say that, that because I'm a fucking... <laughs> I mean, I'm saying I'm more and more convinced. Do I think that we're going to... Do I think that we're going to win the league? No, Juventus is, of course. But, yeah, I, I predicted Milan to finish fifth, I think, in our uh, prediction episode. But I'm going to go with, I would say, third? Third or fourth? I mean, yeah, third seems reasonable. Yeah, I think a top three of Juventus, Inter, and Milan is probably going to be the most most likely. And it's probably one of the more traditional outcomes, which... I say is good for Serie A when you finally have two clubs outside of Juventus that are respected on the European stage. Like that's really important for this league. So as much as I hate no. seeing 
Milan do so well, I know that in yeah, some way definitely. it's good for the quality of their league. Oh, yeah, can, can I put a case forward for the worst player until now? <laughs> Vedat Murici, that big Albanian guy for Lazio. <sighs> Shout out to oh, all Albanians. I love oh. you guys, but that guy stinks, man. Like... <laughs> He came on against Milan and he could not control a ball. He, everything he did went wrong. Um, and Lazio <laughs> paid 20 million for that guy. Oof. I mean, he's uh, the worst signing. I That's say. why you don't go rummaging around so in the garbage <clears throat> cans of Turkey for <clears throat> strikers. Like, because I was sore loss for a while and like. I want that guy. I mean, look at the fucking Napoli <laughs> team. There's someone named Elmas, I think. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, he's not a striker. He's a... <laughs> let's talk about strikers. Uh, fucking Burak Ilmas <laughs> at 37 is dominating, dominating a League One Uber Eats. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to to go back to to something that we I don't I mean not go back, um, but we spoke about you know shit teams and this and that. Genoa, what what's your guys' opinion? Because I have my own opinion about um, you know coaches that go back to the same theme for ten times. FC over here. Ugh. That's something that we've seen over and over again with Genoa and especially Palermo, Palermo with Zamparini back when they were in Serie A. So, Sharma, like, do, do you think that justified? Well, it seems to so, work, man. Like, as much fun why, as we make why? it, Just, that, you know, that process seems to work for them. Somehow they manage to survive whenever whenever Ballardini's comes in it's like it's not Serie Serie A is you know it's Serie A when Ballardini's there with his aviator Ugh. sunglasses on the sidelines you know this is this is real Serie A territory this is when shit gets real and their, their team is like their squad is like some you know if you put like a random generator it's like such a weird mixture of players like just the randomness like some of them are like you shouldn't even be a general like you you're better than general and then some of them are like you're not even Serie B level. Like, what are you doing there? Like, Crescito. I don't know how Crescito is still there. Like, Perin, he's like, he's better than Genoa level. But then, like, you have Goran Pandev is still, still carrying this team. Like, at the beginning of the season, he was still the main goal threat. But then that Skamaka also looks really good for them. I don't know if you guys managed to catch uh, some Genoa matches. He looks uh, interesting talent. Yeah, I've watched yeah. a few. Yeah, he he does look good. Um, what I've found funny lately oh, is um, Mattia Destro finally scoring two against AC Milan. And with that god awful <laughs> celebration when he goes to the corner flag and does and things got, to it. Yeah, because <laughs> he had he the worst scored two there, and I yeah, think yeah, he, he scored did. yesterday or whenever their last match was. And I was like, why is this guy scoring all of a sudden? Um, Crescito scored two. <laughs> that shows you the weird that that was yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean, Giglione is a. Didn't we get um, a link to Giglione <laughs> in the summer when we before we signed Hakimi? 
I, I read level. some reports uh, for uh, Ingi Done. <laughs> I, I don't know what you were reading. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some reports that I'll find them and link them up for sure because I do remember uh, do remember them because that name got stuck in my head. But someone like, as, as uh, Sharma oh, yeah, said, yeah. Mika Zaitz, I don't know if you remember that guy from, from Brescia last season. He was... He wasn't bad, and he's on the bench in a fucking 18th place Genoa. Uh, they have Zapacosta, who Chelsea paid 20 millions for, not even starting. Even you have, P- yeah, uh, you have Piazza, who, although he had some injuries, whenever he came on, whether that is especially the, the Fiorentina game when he scored from the first chance that he had. Like, all of those players are on the bench. You shouldn't be at Genoa. And how are you not even playing for Genoa? You know? That's, that's, the, that's the weird thing. But, I don't know. Do you think... Do you, guys think, do you guys genuinely think that they can get relegated? And do you think that all three teams that came into... Well, I predicted the, the, relegate, no? the two relegated teams to go down. I predicted for Crotone and Spezia both to go down and uh, I predicted Benevento to stay up because I thought I felt like the squad seemed to have some quality in it. But the way Torino are playing, I think they're, they're going to go. I think Genoa will somehow manage to save themselves by the end of the season. Like usually they'll get some shithouse wins right at the end. I think Spezia will end up going down and Crotone and Torino. I think that will be the <laughs> bottom three. What about you, Mike? Um, you know, I I just with what Genoa does, they've been so good at it. But I feel like when you play this managerial flip flop with this team of a bunch of randos, like I feel like you're tempting fate. And I think this might be like one chance too far. I think this could actually be the season they go down because when I watch them, I'm not impressed other than like Skamaka who's pretty good like most of their team fails to impress um though I do think they are the more likely of the two that are down there right now to get out I could also see someone like Parma slipping down and ending up being relegated because uh oh what's his name what's their manager's name I forget it's slipping my yeah Liverani Liverani. just (sighs) he got Lecce relegated last season um Parma this season have the same problems. Like, they can't keep the ball out of the net to save their lives. Um, so, I could see them going down. I think Spezia could really, you know, challenge to stay up. I think they've got a good shot. I think Fiorentina should be safe because of their quality. I think Cagliari should be safe because they also have a good bit of quality. So, yeah, I think it's the three down there, Parma and Spezia, are probably – yeah, basically 16 through 20 are going to stay the same. It's just going to be who's where is going to change. You know, if we, like, if we, I mean, both Mike and I, as well as yourself, predicted Spezia and Crotone to go down and Benventos to stay up. Knowing the table now and knowing that, let's say, Parma, Genoa, and Torino are the main contenders for the 18th place and to go down. Which one of those three do you think will go down and which um, one do you want? I think Palma might have just enough quality with the you know, Javinho still bowling out there. Um I think they might be just safe. But in terms of who I want to go down, mm, 
I wanted Udinese to go down, honestly, just because I feel like Depaul needs to leave. So I think like only only if they get relegated, they will finally yeah. let that guy go because it seems like they um, they never let him go. I wanted them to get relegated just for that reason and just to have the double for the Pozzo family. So what for relegated for them and the Udinese. Um, uh-huh. and yeah, apart from that, I don't really have like teams that I particularly dislike in this area this year. What about you guys? Yeah, I like. I mean, because I, I think I'm, I'm biased like to like Fiorentina? the city of uh, Firenze. I like. I really like Florence as a city, <sighs> but and I like the you know purple kit and I like Ribery and you know I like I like Fiorentina. I don't know why a lot of Inter fans dislike Fiorentina. I don't have a problem with them now. Yeah, yeah. Like I get the stuff in the past having problems, but like now, like this Fiorentina yeah, team, like they're fun to watch when they perform. I mean, I, I I don't know why I don't like. I think them. Genoa just needs to go down to learn but, their, like lesson and figure out their manager shit. If you're going by that, of course, absolutely. I've said it even like I genuinely like Kiev for some reason, as you said, you like the the Firenze mm. and all that. I went to, to Verona <laughs> years ago, and I really like the city, and I I like Pelissier and you know the living legend that he is. So, but them playing with Gamberini, Dainelli, uh, Sorrentino until mm. they are 40, literally 40, was never going to turn out uh, well. So I said it back then, like, I want them to go down to recalibrate, get some young players and go back in Serie A and stay there. Because I, gen- I, don't, like, uh, I don't like teams that are satisfied with the position that they are in. So if Genoa is satisfied every season with 17th, 16th, 15th, if they're playing just for that, then fuck them, go down. But if just for the sole reason of them signing ex-managers who haven't been um, a manager, who haven't managed a team since Genoa, like uh, Ballardini, who hasn't managed in two years since, uh, since he was let go by Preziosi, I want him to go down, but at the same time, you have Torino with Bellotti, Definitely. and I I want to see Bellotti in a, at another team. That team might be, yeah. If he was at uh, Milan, Milan would have been a genuine contender for the league. He's a genu- he's amazing. Oof, maybe we should have Torino to stay up. At that isn't rate, he yeah. like? And they'll stay up. They'll get rid of Gianpaolo in the next week or so. I'm sure of it. Like one match, one win in 14, even from John Paul, that's shit. Um, I also predict that uh, either Fiorentina or sorry, even either uh, Sampdoria or Udinese to go down for the same reason you mentioned because of the pull, because I want him to 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 sign for Inter. Every every Interista said that, but yeah, if I had to choose one, it would be. Uh, Genoa, just because you know, just because it would be funny for Pandev to win the tripleta with Inter with my team, then get relegated in his last <laughs> season a month before he goes on to the Euros and represent Macedonia as as captain. That would be one hell of a summer for him. Red makeup for for sure. You know, like I said, I think Genoa, like Hristo enunciated it better than I would have. I would have just said, like, I'm tired of seeing them 
flip-flop managers they need to go down but the whole calibration thing and all that like that makes sense and that hmm. is a more eloquent way of putting it than me just saying they're shit and they need to go down so i appreciate that um well we started at the table top of the table and we made it all the way down to the bottom uh i think we're coming in just under an hour with this one um thanks again sharma for doing this marathon of two uh, back-to-back episodes oh good really man it's not like i have anything it. to do at the moment you, yes yes of course very important oh except waiting for results of course but yeah. uh, so too uh always good talking <laughs> to you always good being back on yeah 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 same like uh we're occupied with inter and now with the braces results so excuse us if um <laughs> Yeah, so um thanks everyone if you made it to this point in the episode happy holidays happy new year what have you if you're listening to this further down what are you doing with your life um but thanks you know like share subscribe whatever you do um we appreciate it um of course go check out sharma's content uncle sharma on youtube same on twitter um it's going to see yeah we'll see you guys in the next one <laughs>